0: conversations and equine science. My name is Keisha and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts. Please remember with each topic we discuss that your horse is an individual and make sure you seek professional advice before implementing any strategies. On today's episode we have Richard Mott joining us today so welcome Richard. Hi thank you. Um, Richard has done research into blink rate as a measure of stress and attention in the domestic horse and Nancy and I um, discussed this briefly about two weeks ago. So if you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back. It's a really interesting one. And today we're going to just get a little bit more into it and um, ask some questions that we've had sent in. So I was wondering if you could start, Richard, by just giving us a little bit of a background about you and your experience with horses.
1: Um, well, I, I started with horses, I suppose, when I was about eight years old. Um, started riding and um, started being involved with horses and horse care and horse management. Uh, and That's what culminated with me, ended up um, owning and running my own event yard um, here in, in Northern Ireland. Now alongside that, um, I tried to maintain my education really to keep the business um, on the cutting edge of of training and management. So I did a a distance learning equine degree whilst I was running the the business. Um, I really enjoyed that, it taught me a very great deal about um, things like biomechanics and behavior and feeding, uh, all those really important things. Um, So on the back of that, I then went on and did a distance learning masters at Edinburgh, um, at the excellent EC1 uh, science, MSC. Um, and that again, I found really, really useful, uh, it, you know, really educative um, uh, issues of behavior and um, training and um, nutrition. You know, again, really useful stuff for the, um, the management of horses. Um, I really enjoyed that and I never thought I'd be enjoying academia quite so much because I was never particularly academically talented when I was a youngster, but this really opened up a new world to me. So um, I sort of progressed from, you know, giving lessons and teaching here to lecturing at uh, an equine college back in England. I did that for a couple of years. And then from there, I progressed on to doing a PhD at the vet school in Glasgow, which is um, what I'm currently undertaking. So that's kind of my my very brief history of of equitation to date.
2: And did you, um, you know, start studying blink rate? Um, I mean, had you, I guess, came across it during a module at Edinburgh? Or what attracted you to that type of research on that topic?
1: Well, I was particularly interested in um, equine behaviour. So that was where I wanted to do my, uh, my dissertation, was something behavior related. And as I started exploring uh, different topics, and um, blink rate came up as something that had been looked at in humans, but hadn't been looked at really in, in horses to any great extent, um, or in other species. It was, you know, it was quite prevalent in, in the human literature. So I thought, well, hang on, here, here is something that's you know, ripe for the picking if you like, because it's been well documented in humans, but not beyond there, So it looked like an obvious candidate to um, pursue further in horses and see if what we knew was true in humans was um, true in horses too.
0: So, Richard, could you give us a summary or an overview of the research you've done?
1: Sure. Well, we were looking at the um, spontaneous blinking of horses and seeing how that responded to uh, various stressors. Um, we're basing this on the human literature, and we've seen in the human literature that blink rate changes markedly depending on different um, cognitive loads. Um, There's a lot of work done with um, air traffic controllers and with surgeons, and there was differences in blink rates seen when they were concentrating hard on something or were getting stressed by something. So, um, so we... Um, we lightly stressed the horses using um, a sham clipping um, paradigm. So basically you um, take the blades off a clipper and then you turn the clippers on and put them on the horse. So you're not actually clipping them, but you've got the, the stimulus there, the noise and the vibration. Now, um, we know that um, a number of horses are um, reactive to being clipped, um, even if they will stand and allow it to happen. Um, some of them don't like it at all. Um, So we use that as the the stressor in this. Um, We recorded horses blinking um, before and during this clipping um, to see if there was a change in the blink rate. And we used two different groups of horses, one of which we knew were very reactive to being clipped, and one which we knew um, were reported as being very easy to clip, that weren't reactive to being clipped. So we wanted to see if there's a difference between the two. in very broad terms, what we found was that when we turned the clippers on, both groups of horses for the first minute, their blinking rate went down markedly. Um, and that was whether the horses were reactive to clipping or not. So their blinking slowed right down. And this is what we were terming um, the, the startle response. And again, this is, relatively intuitive that if you're watching a horse in the field and it's startled by something it will turn and look at it and it will glare at it or focus on it without blinking um but what we found from there on was was very interesting because after the first minute we found that the horses that weren't bothered by the clipping their blink rate increased back up to their their baseline that it was before the clipping started, so back to a normal baseline level. The horses that were um, highly reactive to clipping, their blink rate went up and went up a lot, so it's a lot higher than their initial baseline. Now this actually coincides very well with what we know from the human literature, because in humans we know very well that blinking will slow down and stop when you're concentrating hard on something, when you're focused on something, something that's taking a lot of cognitive demand, um, but blinking will increase when you're um, stressed by something. Um, So that's what we're seeing with, with the horses, is that those that were, when the clippers first went on, all the horses stopped, looked at them and focused in that initial, they were all startled by something has changed. But then the ones that weren't bothered by it just went back to normal. Those that were bothered by it, the blink rate went up markedly, um, but after sort of the first first minute or so. So that's kind of the, 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 broad, the broad summary of it, that you've got two responses there, the startle response, the initial response to something that they don't, not necessarily don't like, but something that startles them. And then once they've processed what, what it is they've seen, that then goes into almost a phase two response, which is either stressed or not. And if they're stressed, their blink rate then goes up a lot. So that, that's really- So
2: fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did have an email come in from a listener and she doesn't have a lot of neurobiology background with horses in particular, but she wanted to see if you could kind of give a simplified version of what's happening with that um, HPA axis. And I think it was the SAM axis that you mentioned in the paper, she just, she said it's like a foreign language to her. (laughs) And then she wanted to know what does dope, why would dopamine be thought to play a role?
1: Okay, well, the two axes of um, a response to a stressor, HPA, um, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal response. Um, That's what you are, you're measuring that um, by the end product of that response, which is cortisol. Now that's released um, on the adrenal glands and that is a relatively slow response. Um, And it generally, we think of that as a response to a, Uh, a psychological stressor Um, so if you are um, you know stressed at work you're stressed by covid you're worried about exams coming up um, you'll see increases in in cortisol and and it's relatively slow I mean from an initial stressor being presented you won't see a peak in um, cortisol in either saliva or in your bloodstream for about 20 to 30 minutes after the stress has been presented. Now the SAM axis um, is really the um is really the heart rate heart rate variability axis in effect. Um, the much faster response to um, to a stressor. And we think of that as a response to physical stress. Now, that's a, a little simplified because you, um, it's very difficult to divide what's a physical and what's a psychological stressor. Um, so, for example, um, a, a physical stressor that would set off the SAM axis would be severe hemorrhage. And that's an automatic response that would then change your blood pressure to try and um, this is the allostasis. It's trying to get everything back on an even keel. So and that's very, very rapid, very instant. Um, but of course, if you were hemorrh- hemorrhaging, that would be a psychological stressor too, because you can see that you're bleeding to death. So it's very difficult <laughs> to take those two axes and, and look at them in complete isolation. But in, in very broad general terms, um, one is the slower response to a psychological stressor, giving you cortisol. The other is a much quicker response to a, um, um, to a physical stressor. Um, which works on heart rates, heart rate variability, uh, blood pressure, that kind of kind of thing. So I hope that kind of well, summarizes that. that. Um,
2: yeah, that made it even more clear for me. Um, but I, I, at the show we did on your paper, um, I kind of tied in dopamine into it that you also saw an increase in blink rate. Um, for pleasure when the horse was anticipating a treat or something like that and maybe I misinterpreted that but then that's why she wanted to know where does dopamine come into all this yeah I
1: mean that, I mean that's a really good question because um the dopamine system is massively complex um it's a gross oversimplification to say you know dopamine's um, the pleasure hormone. I mean, it's really not. I mean, um, serotonin is really the, the pleasure hormone. Um, dopamine is a hormone and it's a neurotransmitter. And what we're interested in in the brain is its role as a neurotransmitter. Um,
2: mm.
1: Now, in I mean, for those who don't understand what a neurotransmitter is, you have um, different nerve cells um, in the body, uh, and in the brain and in the spinal cord. And when they connect to other nerve cells, what you ha- what it looks like is a cell body that's got the nucleus and the, the basic workings of the cell, like any cell. And then you've got, in effect, a long cable that comes out from it. Um, and that cable attaches to something else, generally a- another nerve cell. And where it attaches, you've got a little gap. And that little gap is crossed by chemicals these neurotransmitters and there are lots of different ones but cells tend to use specific neurotransmitters so you have dopaminergic nerve cells that use dopamine as that transmitter so that's where you get specific nerve cells that that use dopamine now um, what you have in the brain is specific areas that are very densely populated with the cell bodies i.e., the the big fat bit of the cell whether if you like the brain of the cell is um of dopaminergic neurons and a good example of that is the substantia nigra which is a bit in the a a small area in the midbrain but those cables the axons from those nerves go all over the place in the brain Um, they extend Mm. um to uh, the amygdala to the hypothalamus through to the striatum, uh, they go all over um, and they will transmit nerve impulses to different parts of the brain. Now, and so dopamine is involved in lots of other stuff. A key thing that dopamine is involved in is marking um, reward. So it's not actually the reward itself, it marks when something's happened that is rewarding. So it's kind of stamping in the memory. Um, you have all these different inputs come in. So the thing you see, smell, hear, feel, touch, oh, that was nice. Right, okay, that do- the dopamine is then fired and sort of puts a stamp on, okay, remember those three things together because that was nice. So that's, that's where dopamine yeah. comes in for the reward. Um, but also, dopamine is involved um, in an hi- inhibitory sense. So it will stop things happening. Um, And the best example of this is Parkinson's disease. So the the shakes you get from Parkinson's disease is because you've got a lack of dopamine in a particular part of the system and that you're losing the inhibition there because you lost the dopamine. And so you're starting to shake uncontrollably because dopamine would normally be on a negative feedback there controlling excessive movements. So dopamine does an awful lot of things. it, it, it's too much of a simplification to say, "Oh, yeah, it's the you know, it's the the pleasure thing." Now, where it comes into the blinking um, is kind of um, an implied thing, if you like, because what was seen back in 1983 in a paper using um, some primates was that if you play around with how dopamine acts. So if you um, inhibit the way dopamine acts or you enhance the way dopamine acts in the brain, you can control blink rate. So if you have dopamine acting more, um, so in effect, you're giving more dopamine, um, you get a higher blink rate. And then if you reduce the effect of dopamine in, a, in effect giving dopamine less, um, you get a much lower blink rate. Now, how that actually happens we're not particularly sure because the dopamine receptors that have been um inhibited or excited with the particular drugs that were given and i've mentioned them in the paper um are the inhibitory receptors not the excitatory receptors so you'd think it would go the other way there is um Mm -hmm. a number of other theories as to what what is acting there um as to why it's influencing the actual blink rate? So again, we mentioned in the paper there um, links from the parietal cortex back to the um, superior colliculi, which in a horse would be the a, a rostral colliculi, just because the brain's at a different angle. but Doesn't matter. Um, but, but, but again, we, we yeah, that's kind of supposition. We're, we're not. You know, I mean, it's educated guesses, but we we don't you know we don't know why dopamine would affect blink rate. But what we are seeing is that. There is, you know, if you play, if you manipulate it with drugs, changing what dopamine is doing changes blink rate, you know, and it's completely correlated what what happens there. But we don't really know why. But there are a number of candidates. Um, But like I said at the start, that, you know, the dopamine system, um, to say it's complex is an understatement. Um, But, you know.
0: So that opens up an area for more research into but more complicated research to try and get those answers.
1: I mean, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, we look at the the future of this research, um, you know, I mean, there are two strands to, if you like, there is the practical applications for um, riders and trainers and coaches, but there's also the really nerdy science applications that this, you know, for the researcher, it might give you a window on what's happening at a, you know, really basic neurophysiological level um with the neurochemistry um in brain regions so it might give us some real insight to what's going on but that's that's the really sort of nerdy science side which yeah you know, doesn't have a practical application to the the average horse owner yeah
0: we have actually had a question come in on the practical side of it as well um, jenny who is a um, an equine clinical animal behaviorist she's wondering where do you see the practical applications she has ideas of where she would be watching for blink rate and putting it into context but she's interested in where this could apply in monitoring welfare across the industry
1: um well it's almost a case of where couldn't you use it um i mean when we look at monitoring welfare I mean, monitoring welfare is a is a really important aspect um, of everything to do with horse ownership, horse management, training. Um, If you're gonna be ethical in the way we deal with and manage our horses, we want to be sure that um, we're not impacting negatively on our horse's welfare. Um, Now, that is a a really difficult thing to quantify. Um, What we can't quantify really at all is Horse's emotional state. You've got no idea what they're feeling. What we quantify with all our tools, be it heart rate variability or cortisol um, or blink rate, is a physiological response to a stressor. Um, and quite often, you can't tell in isolation whether it's you know a good or a bad thing. Um, I mean, I've got a paper coming out hopefully in a couple of months on heart rate variability. And that for all people tell you that is almost impossible to tell whether something is good or bad. It's just a response. You know, if a dog is really excited by something, it's heart rate variability um, goes down massively. If it's really stressed by something, it's heart rate variability goes down. So, you know, you know using one metric in isolation um, is very difficult to get a true picture. So what I see, you know, blink rate being used for, um, certainly in the research setting is, um, another tool to add to heart rate variability and to cortisol. Um, So you can say, okay, we are seeing a response in all of these. Um, Now for the the horse owner, horse trainer out in the yard who hasn't got all this kit and who isn't a researcher, what it gives you is a a really simple ready reckoner as to um, what your horse's um, response is. Is your horse's response changing um and you know it's relatively intuitive um, that you can see your horse is suddenly fixed and staring wild-eyed at something, or whether it's gone from being nice and relaxed to suddenly blinking um at a ridiculously high rate. Um and I suppose you know somewhere where this is an, an obvious application is if you are conditioning a horse to to clipping, um, because you want to um you know challenge the horse slightly you know introducing the clippers but you don't want to get into the the situation of trying to flood a horse so the the trick with that is that you approach the horse with the clippers until it starts to look a little uncomfortable then you stop and you just wait until the horse relaxes and you approach slightly closer and then stop right and so using blink rate you can judge how the horse is reacting to you getting closer with the clippers you know is it stressed? Is it relaxing? So you can see when it fixates on you and then when it goes back to normal blinking or is it going back to a much faster rate of blinking? And you see, it's a, the, the beauty of this and the, the, the advantage this has over the other metrics we have is that you can see second by second a horse's change in response. Uh, whereas with heart rate variability, you're looking at you know, five minute chunks. Um, with cortisol, you're looking at what happened 30 minutes ago here, you're seeing in real time, second by second, as the horse's response is changing. So it's instantaneous. And I suppose that's the, the great advantage this has um, when you're handling a horse and you're seeing, okay, have I pushed it too far? Let's back off a little bit. So I suppose that's, that's probably the, the greatest application of it.
0: I've definitely become so aware of how much I blink since reading this paper. Um, but it's something that I've started watching in my dogs. And is your PhD currently is that on dog heart rate variability or is it on blink rate in dogs as well? Um,
1: neither, actually. Um, it's on stress mitigation. Um, in, in 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 really simple terms, I play music to dogs. Um, there's there's a bit more to it than that, but we're uh, we're looking at um, mitigating stress in in rescue centres, um, and we're using auditory enrichment. So I'm looking at we know it works. We're looking at, um, okay, how does it work? Why does it work? How can we do it better? Um, but the stuff-
0: we actually had an episode on using music in Stable's mm-hmm. Horses and it was like brilliant, like just eye-opening to the different types of music they like, but yours is definitely that step further, you know, why does it have this effect? Well, that's
1: the thing. And it's, it's one of these things that if we know you know, what, why it's doing it, we might be able to do it better. Um, but the, the stuff on heart rate variability I've done, that's kind of a, a lockdown project um, that I did on um, horses here in Ireland. Um, so I managed to snaffle some of the um, ECG equipment from our equine hospital, bring it back over here. We've, we've done a lot of stuff with ECG, comparing it with polar and another heart rate monitor. Um, so it's a bit of a, a rabbit hole, but it was very interesting um and again it's, it's down the, the thing that really interests me is you know how do we quantify stress and how do we you know monitor welfare and how do we get a better feel for what our animals are you know ultimately you know what are they feeling but you know the actual emotional um quantification is 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 a step away yet but uh, we're getting there
0: Definitely. Um, I know in our episode where we talked about this, Nancy, you had a question about cribbing.
2: Um, yeah. I I remember from Equine Behavior module at Edinburgh that there definitely had been a oh connection with the dopamine and the stereotypical behaviors, which I think you've kind of already answered it, that it's it's a um there's not a explanation that specifically fits every scenario and so anyway but i do remember they would administer narcon to the horses and then they wouldn't crib they would stop their cribbing and so um anyway i had kind of wondered how the blink rate would correlate with that well i actually
1: had a horse um didn't include it in the study because it was the most horrendous cribber I have ever seen. Um, it just cribbed continually. I've never seen a horse like it. Um, now, there's a paper by Robert Settel, um a, a few years ago now. I can't remember the date of it. Uh, I, I've cited it in, in mine. Um, but they were looking at um, stereotypical behaviours and blink rate. And they found that horses that exhibited stereotypical behaviours had overall an, an average over the course of an hour, a higher average blink rate. Um, but in watching this horse while it was cribbing, it was really interesting. And what I saw goes exactly along the lines of what we know from the human literature, because when it grabbed the door, you know, when it was focused on getting at the door, get its teeth on it and grabbing the top of it, it didn't blink at all. As soon as it released, it then blinked really rapidly. And then what, as soon as it's concentrating on grabbing the door again, stop blinking completely. So while it was focused on the grab and the hold, it didn't blink at all. But the second it released, it blinked really, really rapidly. So that's what I was saying about mm. you know, the, the beauty of blink rate is you're looking at the second by second changes. And if you recorded that horse for half an hour and reported it's average blink rate, it wouldn't give you anything like the true picture of it You know, not blinking, then blinking really rapidly and then not blinking. Now, unfortunately, there's only one horse, so it's not something I could you know, write up. Um, but I, I was very interested in the fact that you know, it seemed to go along with exactly what we know from the human literature, that when it was actually concentrating on doing something quite dexterous, like grabbing the top of the door with its teeth, it was really focused and didn't blink at all. Now, it wasn't stressed by that, so again, you know, there's a, a the cautionary tale there of interpreting the raw numbers of the blinking, that you've got a horse there that wasn't blinking at all, but it wasn't stressed, it was just concentrating. So it's that you know, it's that sort of startle response doesn't necessarily mean it is stressed, it just means it's 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 focused on something. Um Do you
2: being in the thoroughbred industry, I'm really interested in the stereotypical behaviors. I don't have a cribber in the barn currently, but you always seem to get one every few years. And then I do have a weaver right now. So I'm definitely going to notice his blink rate prior to weaving. And then once he actually initiates it and he only really weaves when he's anticipating something whether it's hay or food Mm. or turnout so i'll i'll notice more his it's interesting the
1: the paper on um stereotypes and um and dopamine and blocking the the dopamine receptors with narcan um if you look at the results there they, they they stop the action of of dopamine in effect they block the receptors and the um and the stereotypy went away. So the suggestion from that is that horses aren't doing this to get the dopamine kick, because if they were, if you block the receptor, they'd be doing it much more to try and get that kick because they're now not getting that dopamine kick. So it's almost, you know there's a correlation there, but which comes first? So it's, it's more like that the excess dopamine is causing the stereotypy rather than they're doing the stereotypy to get the dopamine hit. Because, you know, if you stop the dopamine hit, yeah. you're going to do the action more and more and more to try and get that hit. So it is kind of. That's just blowing my that's
0: mind. That there. I had have one of those moments where I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Like the way I've always viewed stereotypes is like completely <laughs> changed.
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for going into that. I didn't didn't want to get into the stereotypes today but I mean it is a welfare issue in the industry and you know uh, I know they've done research on it and studies but it, it is uh, something we all end up coming across throughout mm. our horse careers.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us That's today awesome. Richard
2: and no, it, it was definitely
0: our pleasure to have you on. <laughs> but yes. um brilliant. And we will be back again next week with another episode. So thanks Nancy and thanks Richard and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you. Take care.